This is the I Read Comic Books Podcast. I am your host, Mike Rappin. With me this week are two amazing people, Brian Murray. Hi there. And Tia Vasiliu. Hi. Thank you both for joining me this week. It's a sp- stupendous week for comic books, I think. So let me ask the question that I ask every week. How have you been? How have comic books been? Tia. Oh, well, this week has kind of been a bit of a tire fire and add a bunch of snow days to that. And, Mm -hmm. you know, you just at some point have to accept that the universe wants you to stay home in your pajamas, which is what I've been doing for the last like three days and probably tomorrow. (laughs) You know, yeah, we did get a little bit of snow here in New York and it's it was nice, but also I'm ready to be done with winter already. Yeah. So um, I mentioned this once in a while, but I, I don't spend weekends in New York. So I had the snow in New York and then I came up north and now we have this like crazy blizzard. We're supposed to get another, I think like two feet on top of the f- foot we already have. So basically, oh my goodness. I have nothing to do but read comics. It's great. <laughs> That's fantastic. What have you been reading? Oh, goodness. Well, I mean, it was a Wicked week. Wicked 26 came out. A, mi- oh, yes. a million things happened. A million nine panel grids happened. It was great. And, um, you know, obviously Wicked is perfect. And everyone should read it. But um, it can sometimes be frustrating when you feel like a, like a lot of pages happened, but you're not really sure at the end of the issue if you know anything more about what's going on, you know? Yeah. So this is a really satisfying issue because a lot of things happen and you kind of leave it with a really strong sense of like, this is where everyone stands right now, which is good. And you get some backstory about um, certain members of the Pantheon made more clear. You see Amaterasu interact with her parents. You see Ball interact with his family. You see some characters' uh, sexualities made explicit, not like shown because that would be vulgar yeah, but um but clarified um can I, sure. like in in the pages so canonified yeah yeah <laughs> um, that's the most important part right well, i almost said <laughs> canonized but that's a totally different thing well but yeah. it does kind of it is fitting with the g- gods i guess true true I don't know. the theme they're n- although yeah. wait isn't that one of the like quotes on the back where i'm a god not a saint that's, that must that that's sounds a Woden like it thing. would be a quote that's in the a, back at some point. I think that Woden said that sounds at some like point him. when he, deal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, so the the cover of the next trade was revealed and it's like a I guess a scarab, but it has it's vaguely Woden-esque and it has like these like neon turquoise markings and I was like, is that a Woden dung beetle? <laughs> it was not. Oh, well. I know. It is, anyway. it is in my head now. Right? Yeah. So, so Wake Div happened, and there was much rejoicing. What else? Uh, Black Widow number 11, which I think Mike is going to talk more about, so I will <laughs> reserve that one. If only, if only for one bit, yes. <laughs> but speaking of assassins, I would just like to be, have it on record that I'm really mad at Mike, because... Um, in order to prolong and explore my X-23 and Gambit feelings, he prompted me to read um, The Killing Dream, which is a, a Marjorie Liu run on an X-23 uh, book. And he did not warn me about the most traumatizing parts. And <laughs> I'm very upset at him. Yeah, that's it's justifiably so. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. So that happened you should definitely direct all angry emails and tweets to mike on my behalf yes because i will look i'll accept that you can kill a lot of people like i'm probably fine with that but if you're mean to puppies we have problems that's all i have to say (laughs) about that also i read southern cross number 11 this one is uh i think the penultimate issue of this story which kind of bums me out but at the same time I really like books with endings I'm a rereader so if there if you have a solid 12 issue story um I'll you know I'll definitely get a lot out of it even after it's not still ongoing and this one in particular because there's a lot of weird stuff going on in the first arc it was kind of a like murder on the Orient Express in space sort of deal and then it got really trippy and and then the second arc, 
were on this um, I think planet where they have this mining rig and they had it was f- one of the moons of Jupiter was was it, it? yeah I, um that sounds that that sounds more correct <laughs> um, <laughs> and so they have found these artifacts there uh, that that cause all of these sort of reality mind time bending things to occur and are really key in this murder mystery and I've loved the character Hazel she's an older lady who uh, works there and she's been really key to uh, driving the second arc and uh, just extremely beautifully colored by Lee Lowridge I feel like if you're the kind of person who is really into color or even if you're like just sort of trying to learn about like what color does for a story I really would recommend this book Andy Bellinger does the art and um Lee Lowridge who obviously is like a lead color legend uh this would just be the perfect book to to look really closely through and you'll it's definitely like a nice study of how color tells story definitely there were a lot of just beautiful scenes in the the first arc i haven't read the second arc yet but it's really neat it's got a lot of yellows uh which i normally not drawn to that color palette but it's just it's done so well like yellows and greens and you know it's a really menacing place this rig and the the people who work on it are are tough and mean and and you know then there's the kind of magic of these artifacts and and the color is so integral to this story and it's becky yeah. Clo- becky clunan writes it right i can't believe yes. i yeah i'm blanking on that now because i tell everyone to read this book all the time yeah becky <laughs> clunan it's amazing i have yet to read this book i i tried the first issue and i couldn't get into it um maybe i'll try it when it comes out to trade like if the whole series comes out maybe i'll, I'll take a look at it but brian what were what would you read this week well this has been kind of a slow week for me uh the only thing that i really dug into was I finally sat down and read the three issues of Dr. Afra that I had built up. And I'm almost glad that I waited this long just so that I had that much Dr. Afra to read. Um, <laughs> it's that good, huh? It's This book it's so is good. phenomenal. It's probably my favorite thing that I'm reading right now. Yay! Oh, man. I know. I really love it, too. It's good. Mike, come on. Be one of the cool yeah. kids. <laughs> no, it's like cool indiana jones style banter meets star wars aesthetic meets psychopathic murder bots there wasn't like a single moment that i didn't enjoy so okay i don't really know much about dr afro other than that she she showed up in the vader series yep and i she's a bad guy right she's 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 on the like on the side of she's, the empire, right? She's no. chaotic neutral. I, yeah. I I don't know. I don't know. This is I'm, I'm saying enlighten me, please. She she worked for Darth Vader for a time, um, because your options are either work for Vader or be killed by Vader. Uh, so she did fall in with Darth Vader, and there she wasn't was definitely happy about like it, some yeah, like there was some initial fangirling going on. I think just like oh my god, I'm working for a celebrity. But she definitely didn't approve of his stance or his methods. Okay. Um, but impl- now she's she's faked her death and fled the Empire. And oh. She's getting back to her space archaeological roots. Um, naturally, things go awry almost immediately. Right. And it ends with them on Yavin 4, which is where the rebels were holed up in A New Hope. Right. Um, and I believe this is post A New Hope, right? Right. So it's the Empire basically, the Empire is crawling over the ruins where the rebels were holed up, mm-hmm. and Afra and her father and her murder sidekicks are all there trying to solve some mystery that her father is aware of. Interesting. Well, he's kind of blackmailing her. Not black. I mean, that's a strong way of putting it. But he's like, holding her career hostage. Yeah, basically. yeah. I sort of feel like um, I I can't wait for this arc to conclude so I can go back and compare it to to Vader and her relationship with Vader. In that, like, oh. I'm kind of making you do this that you don't want to do it, but you kind of have to do it. 
That's interesting. I didn't think about it that way, but there's definitely some parallels to be drawn there. Yeah, much better than the... I never go into the Vader slash Afro tag on AO3. Just... Oh, no. oh Lord, no. All those girls oh, no. need Jesus in a big way. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. They they desperately need Ben Kenobi. Oh, my goodness. I mean, and this is me who loves all bad guys, but even I know that Darth Vader's bad news. Oh, man. So... This okay, and Doctor Afra is also going to show up in a in a story with Luke Skywalker pretty soon, right? I think yeah. I just saw that somewhere. I think that's going to be in the main Star Wars comic, or is it going to be its own run? I don't know. I, it might be in the main Star Wars comic for a little while, but I saw that I, I saw Kieran Gillen said something about how he was excited seeing that a character that he created is now being like really pushed hard as part of the Star Wars canon because Doctor Half is also showing up in a video game or something pretty yeah. soon too. And I think so the like, murder bots. Sorry, she's going to be everywhere. The murder bots were also maybe in an RPG game or something like that. Yeah, definitely uh, Funko Pops. I've already seen some of those. <gasps> what? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know of any other uh, like black metal R two D two looking robots that are out there. So, <laughs> oh my god! Mm. So I just like, was thinking about because at this point, I don't know. Luke is still kind of a whiny brat. Like I've never liked Luke much. So you know, there's that. But like, yeah. I I really wonder how like their dynamics going to be really interesting because I just I can't see that. Afra is going to I don't think she's going to like Luke very much see this is all the reason to read the comic right no I know it's going to be great either she's not going to like him or it's going to be like oh aren't you adorable I'm going to have so much fun with you (laughs) kind of thing like but Luke is like not fun you you can't have fun with Luke no he's a it's because he's he's straight and narrow I know he's a he's a corn-fed farm boy (laughs) oh man well, for me this week, what I read was, I actually read a lot. I told myself I need to stop putting things in backlog saying that I'm going to get to it. So <laughs> I uh, I did read some, some books that came out this week. I read Jonesy number 10. I don't know if that came out this week or last week, but this Jonesy week. number 10 was really interesting this week because it was about politics in a weird way. In the issue, Jonesy has, the story's been... Uh, the story's been building up to Jonesy <laughs> protesting against the city because a ferret shelter got shut down, <laughs> and she's very sad that the city is not funding you know the thing that she really loves, and so she started protesting and trying to get people to help. And through social media and through word of mouth and all these different things, like she ends up getting this large group of people to try to change the city's budget, and they approached the idea of why protesting is important in such a such a strong smart non-direct way to like tie it back to the real world that i i'm actually really like happy that this book covered that topic without being super heavy political about it you know it's all about ferrets and stuff but the overall message is it doesn't matter if your protest is it succeeds or not or it accomplishes its goal it's the fact that you went out and stood for something which is what's important and i really i really like that message in this book um, I don't really appreciate a lot of times when books are really heavy-handed with politics, but this one covered it really, really well, in my opinion. Um, I also read Green Valley number five, which is more into the weird Max Landisy world. We got a little bit more information about what's happening in this book. Uh, I don't really want to talk about much more than that because anything else would be full spoilers. So uh, I also read Black Widow number 11, <laughs> <laughs> which uh, I got about four or five pages in, and all I could think of was, I know that Tia... T- coaches uh some young girls uh in dance right yeah and <laughs> at one point natasha aka black widow says like oh you girls you don't know what you're doing and she she kind of laughs at them as they're all like because they're all supposed to be like teenage girls sorry let me let me take a step back in black widow currently there is a team of teenage assassins trying to basically destroy shield and black widow is trying to stop them and they're all they've all were trained in the same place that natasha romanoff was trained and so black widow's trying to stop them in antarctica in this issue and at one point she just gets really sassy with one of the girls and i was like oh this is like (laughs) this is what would happen if tia's dancers went rogue and were also assassins she'd have to go being the old dance teacher and trying to (laughs) stop these girls by just beating them at their own game and it was it's a it's a wonderful issue i mean the black widow series is fantastic but i had a a nice giggle about (laughs) about this story that definitely is a possibility (laughs) <laughs> yeah. I'm just picturing Give, like some kind of dance off taking place. 
<laughs> ballerina off right that's i don't know if that's how things work yeah. i don't know what you do t i just know it's dance and that's about as much as i know we're doing about dancing a, so we're doing a routine to the imperial march this year but like a metal that's, like a metal version so the, the going to the dark side is closer than you than we thought yeah no it's funny because i you know i have to encourage them to like make their angry faces and then i'm like whoa okay well you you got some anger in there yeah, <laughs> your angry face is way too good. Yeah. <laughs> they they must be you know good good thing they have you to coach them because otherwise, you know who knows what kind of terrible mischief they could get up to, right? I know, right? And then you'd have to stop them. You'd have to be the person yeah. to stop them if anything happens. So essentially, what I'm saying is that Tia is Natasha Romanoff, and uh, we should all be very scared of her it's dance true. troupe. It's true. I'm way ahead of you there. <laughs> uh, otherwise, the one thing that I read this week, oh my goodness, I cannot get over this book. Uh, there was an image sale, and there was a thing that said you get like 60% off, like on Comic Salad, I should say, you get like 60% off any books published before December 31st, 2016. And I was like, okay, I'm going to go buy all of Proof. Uh, which is, I think, 20 or so issues. Proof, which is a series <laughs> about Bigfoot as an FBI agent who spends his time mm-hmm. tracking down other mythological beasts such as the Chupacabra or the Dover Demon or pretty much you think of any urban legend about a monster of some sort and this guy has to deal with it if it's a real thing. And in this series, almost everything is real. And so his name is John John Proofoot, I think, or John, I cannot think of his name. John, basically his, his name is Proof. The book is called Proof because it's the whole joke about in order to prove these things are real, you need proof. And this is by Riley, Riley Rossimo and Alex Gresham. Riley Rossimo and Alex Gresham, who also did Rasputin, which is another fantastic image book. And I just love this book to death. It's the first arc is all about the Chupacabra and how Bigfoot has to track down the Chupacabra. And you, they start laying plot for essentially the future of the series. And I don't think that they intended for the book to end after 20 or so issues. But because in issue one, Alex Gresham's like, we've got ideas up through issue 60. So please keep buying this book. And I remember buying this book when it was available digitally as single individual apps that were created by Comixology on the iTunes store, meaning that I bought five or six individual iOS apps to read these single comics, which was, yeah, it was it was a weird time for comics. And <laughs> this book is amazing. I mean, like, I think that this is one of the few books you could probably point at and say that this was the beginning of the, what is now called like the golden age of image comics. Like, there wouldn't be the successful books that we read today if it wasn't for books like this one. I think this one came out around the same time as Invincible and Walking Dead. And it is a top-notch book, even today, even reading it almost 10 years later. Actually, yes, 10 years later, it is still a solid comic book. So if you get a chance, go read the first volume on Comixology Unlimited. Go to your library. Go to your comic book shop. This book is still in print. And it is it is so very very good. And once you read this book, you're going to want to buy anything that Riley Rossmo has ever driven, drawn, and and you're going to go and buy Rasputin by this same pair. This is uh, such a fantastic book. I I cannot express my love for it enough. I, d- I did have a big uh, childhood obsession with Bigfoot and other uh, cryptids. Cryptid, so, yes. So this is, is kind of right like, up my alley. Is that like a proper term for that? Or is that I don't know if this book made up the cryptid name or not. Yeah, no, it's it's basically a the cryptid animals or hidden animals is what they would call them. Okay. Well, yeah, if you had any interest, I think you would love this book. They touch on all sorts of stuff um, in that yeah. mythological range. And Be, even being even part fairies. Sasquatch myself, that's very interesting. <laughs> yeah. You will meet another of your kind. It's a great book. Um, anyways. Other than that, you know, comic books come out this week on the 15th. It's February 15th, 2017. So let me ask you, what are you guys reading or what are you excited for this week? I'll throw it to you, Tia. Well, this may surprise some of you, but I'm actually kind of excited for the Batwoman Rebirth uh, debut, which is being written by Marguerite Bennett and James 
Tinian, I think, the fourth. Does that sound right? I was mostly just, yeah, I am right. I'm always right. Um, No, I'm not. Marguerite Bennett. (laughs) You know, if Marguerite Bennett is writing a kick-ass lesbian redhead, I think that's a good start. Like, you know the book's going to be good. She absolutely nailed it when she was writing Angela. And I will pick this up, even though I don't really have a lot of connections to DC characters in the same way I do Marvel characters, you know, just because I know like they're going to do right by this. And um, the art is going to be by Steve Epting and, you know, Oh really? uh, Yeah. That sorry. That's really impressive. Cause I, I was like, I, the last thing he did was velvet, and, and yeah, that's awesome. Sorry, yeah. that's a total surprise. So it's gonna be good, and and so here's the thing: I've actually I a, a while many years ago someone tried to get me to read Elegy, which I think is the the Greg Rucka Batwoman. Yeah, and you know, I was kind of sold. Like I liked the whole idea of her being lesbian, and it seemed like it was handled very. Uh, responsibly but um, it also seemed like there were still some really glaring problems like sort of rapey violent problems that uh, that I just you know I don't I don't at the time I didn't necessarily trust comics to handle those issues very well I don't see you know I don't see Marguerite Bennett putting anything like that I mean Marguerite Bennett, I'm pretty sure, very publicly identifies as queer. And so, you know, not that you have to be a certain identity in order to write that identity, but I just, I I feel like she knows, like, how to navigate pitfalls or stereotypes or things that could have have a really negative uh like cast a really negative tone on the book like i i have a feeling that she'll because she's such a good writer and because this is uh you know an identity that she is relates to in in some like more personal way i trust that those issues if they are introduced will be done right it goes back to that old writer's adage of write what you know I mean, I think that kind of, yeah, it, it's not, I'm all, I'm, I'm looking forward also to reading an adult woman as a superhero. Like that, that's something that I think I don't, this is really hard to, for me to explain, but I sometimes feel like in all media, like only young women are allowed to be protagonists that for mm-hmm. like, for some reason adult women like there's no we have this idea that their stories aren't as interesting and and i i see batwoman as kind of a more like adult woman in among the dc woman characters and i'm really looking forward to you know because like batman is very like grisly and mature as a character you know what i mean Mm -hmm. so like as much as much fun as like Batgirl or Black Canary are, they're fun. I really am hoping this will be like kind of just a, a character that has that kind of grav- gravitas of Batman. Does that make sense? No, totally. Absolutely. That that reminds me. I mean, that it's you know a lot of people didn't like New Fifty Two, but I like the Batwoman New Fifty Two series that was that um, J H Williams did with uh, William H or H William Blackman. That that series was very much about like this grizzled, like military Batwoman who was like not taking anyone's shit. She was really frustrated with everyone. Like she reminded me, like she was doing the Batman thing. She was doing, I think, what yeah. you were just describing. So I think if you get a chance, I would say read that book. It's very solid. Like, and it's such a such a shame. Like, stop when those two stop working on that book because they were building such an amazing storyline with her and uh her girlfriend potentially getting married and like oh the story was so good even the tie-in with with wonder woman was a great story arc like that whole series was very solid so uh, but but to your point i think like having marguerite bennett having like a female voice on this book is probably going to help it not hinder it by a long shot I mean, she's such a great writer and she handles darker stuff. Like her her content can get really dark if you look at what she's doing over at Aftershock with insects and animosity. It's (laughs) like, okay, Marguerite Bennett is not fucking around over here. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Cool. Well, 
I I didn't realize this was coming out this week. I think I'm going to have to grab it as well. Uh, Brian, what are you excited for this week? Uh, for me, I'm going to continue on the Star Wars train that I established in Woo-hoo! last week's reading and go with uh, Poe Dameron number 11. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Poe Hot Dameron? Book... <laughs> yes. <laughs> 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 this book is just so charming. Like, it's... Everything that happens is kind of like done with that that Oscar Isaac smirk that we got mm-hmm. from the movie. Oh yes, and and maybe that's just because you know Oscar Isaac makes my heart go all a flutter. But I love this book. If your Everything heart doesn't, it. you don't have a heart. If Oscar Isaac can't make it go flutter, right? <laughs> Seriously. Oh yeah. There there was one moment that made perfect sense to me of like this character from Poe Dameron's past showing up and she's like secretly trying to spy on him and then she spends like two days with him and then it's like all right fuck you old boss I work I work with Poe Dameron now and that totally like sums up his character for me I think of just like mm-hmm. this guy who everybody loves even if they don't want to that 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 infectious Dameron charm why wouldn't you want to yeah he's like a force for positivity. Yeah. I saw a thing on, on Tumblr the other day. Uh, like, I rarely get on there, but I just happened to log in. And I saw there was this wonderful, like, clip from a previous issue. And it was just him saying, you know what? You don't you don't have to worry about anything because you're awesome. Like, it was something, like, super duper positive. Yeah. But, like, that is Poe Dameron's attitude about everything. He's, he's constantly inspiring. He's, like, this beacon of light in all the darkness and stuff. Even when they're trying to fight against any enemy that that may have come across them specifically this super amazing villain that they've created Terex Terex like, yeah he's he's still like it doesn't matter we're going to win we're great we're we're the best that there is i mean and it helps that they are the best that there is and he's fantastic but you know as, as far as an ex pilot or a pilot goes but even still he's he's trying to inspire even those who don't believe in themselves to say don't you don't have to worry because you're great and that's like the that should be the tagline for this book don't worry you're great <laughs> And Terex is almost doing like an insidious Forrest Gump right now, where he's just like, <laughs> like Poe and C-3PO are trying to connect with one of C-3PO's robot spies because C-3PO mm-hmm. is like a robot spy master now <laughs> or something <yeah>. or something. <laughs> and they show up on this planet and like, it just so happens that it's a planet where Terex essentially used to be a crime lord and Terex just happened to have like showed up on the same day as them (laughs) yeah is Charles Soule still writing this oh Uh, yes yeah because I'm telling you he should have you guys like write the summaries for the back of these trades (laughs) (laughs) hey I'm available Chucky Soule give us a call yeah if you're listening I'm very very cheap (laughs) (laughs) I'm really digging this book too Brian uh, but for me this week, I'm really excited for Ether number four. Uh, this is by Matt Kent and David Rubin. This weirdo book about a former scientist turned homeless man who travels to another dimension to solve problems with science in a world full of magic. It's awesome. Okay, I'm in. Yeah, yeah it's exactly. It's really good. Like, it's seriously surprised me reading number one i like i was like oh this is gonna be some weird gritty spy novel because that's kind of what matt kent does when he works at dark horse but instead there's a mystery afoot but the main character is constantly solving everything he's like with science he's like don't worry you know if you look at the way that this thing is built these things are made out of dna that blah 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 like he's he breaks all of these pieces of magic in this world down to their scientific like base elements which is absolutely fantastic and there's a mystery about who killed who and yada 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 but but instead of science magic we're getting magic science for what exactly yeah i mean what i what i love about that is is what it says about the opposite is that we have magic too we just call it science and it works in a way that seems very normal to us because we grew up knowing about it Mm mm-hmm it's it's kind of an interesting almost like when you put it that way it's almost like a commentary on like when you think of people that are like don't that don't understand how technology works or you know like I read this thing the other day about like an oh, there was a woman at a nursing home and she got a smartphone to try to keep up with her family and she went to go see this nurse and the nurse said you know okay you you got a virus you're a little bit sick and she, and the woman says so are you saying that I shouldn't use my phone because it might get the virus too 
and it's like oh boy Aww. like and, but it's you don't understand how these things work and you think oh it's just magic and we use common terminology and you're like well is one thing the same yeah. as the other and that's kind of what this book is trying to explain that there is a reason behind everything but it's it's all about investigating and understanding the the how things work and that's like this character's whole thing this book is is absolutely amazing david rubin's art is top notch he does a very good subtle job of distinguishing the real world from the magic world in the way that like everything looks very cartoonish but there is just a subtle difference in his pencils from the real world to this magic world and in that the magic world looks way more like a cartoon and the real world while still cartoony has more solid lines and less curvature to it everything is more blocky and i i didn't really pick up on that until the third or fourth or the second or third issue and I'm really excited to see what they do with this issue, given the twist at the end of number three. So if you're not reading this book, maybe wait for trade, but it's it's really, really good. Highly suggest it. Cosign. <laughs> that's all I need. One extra vote. You def- Now you have to read it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's a majority. That's why this podcast only has three people on it. So that, exactly. So that Mike can easily get his opinions backed. <laughs> the I read comic books electoral college could still go a different way you never know <laughs> that's just Xander <laughs> yeah since he's the one who decides what actually gets into the show yeah. that's true <laughs> <laughs> Our show this week has a topic that was suggested to... Basically, I came up with after I was having a long conversation with Xander about the environments in which we read comic books. The biggest part that came out of it was, do you listen to music while you read comic books? And if you do, does it ref- does it affect the feelings on said comic book when you read it? So I you know, posited this question to Brian and Tia, and we have some thoughts, but it's kind of, it's kind of all over the place because I think... I don't know. I'm the type of person that doesn't read with music too often, but let's let's start with T and Brian. What do you guys think about this? Um, I don't necessarily listen to music when I read comics because I am very easily distracted and um, I like to really focus and concentrate on the art and what I'm reading. So the only time that I like actually mean to listen to music when I'm reading comics is maybe if the creator has like a playlist that they made specifically associated with that title. Mm -hmm. Are there a lot of those? I was going to say, yeah, I don't know of any others other than like the Wicked and Divine and Hawkeye. Yeah. um, I mean, I also follow Al Ewing on Spotify. He had done one for when he was writing Loki and Alish Cott has a Winter Soldier one that's like 10,000 hours of Pink Floyd, <laughs> <laughs> which explains so much about that book. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, if you like, if you Google it, you could usually find uh, find one if there is one. And um, also, I after I read comics, I will often make playlists myself for certain characters or or titles and will sometimes share those with friends especially if i'm trying to convince them to read said comic okay if if i can if i can pick at that a little bit what what give, what inspires you to create a playlist like that i guess what i i've never i've never felt the urge to do so so i guess that's like a totally new thing to me well, I think this probably goes way, way, way back to when I was dating this guy who worked at a used record store. And so we, we used to hang out there after hours and make playlists and get drunk and have a great time and have friends over and like basically treated the store like it was our own personal party space. But um, <laughs> it just, so the idea, it, and like literally anything that came into our head we would be like you know what's the playlist for that kind of like in that like that annoying high fidelity guy i don't know yeah Do the you know movie that? high fidelity yeah. John Cusack's character. yeah yeah uh so that was just a thing that my friends and i would do and so when i listen to music a lot of times i'll be like oh this reminds me of that scene in that book and then a playlist grows that's really interesting i've 
I don't think I've ever I've ever had that. That I don't think that it's weird by any means. I just think I've never made that connection before. That now and now I feel like it's gonna happen. I'm gonna do that for everything from now on. So thank you. Yeah, no, but, I'll uh, share some <laughs> with you. Like I have a really good one that I call Fury Road Trip, and it's like all of the music that they would that they should listen to <laughs> during their yeah in in the in the war that. rig. <laughs> oh wow! What about you, Brian? I I can never like get my head in order enough to do that sort of stuff like i've i've sat down to try before don't get me wrong but it's always just like i'll hear one song and think "Ooh, that'd be good on a playlist for this person and then nothing happens for a little while and then i just go back to listening to music <laughs> get on spotify and then you could just like real quick make a playlist yeah i, I, yeah, I, I can never think of like what else to add it's always just like one song that I think fits. Mm-hmm. I should probably also say that I spend a lot of time listening to music because I spend a minimum of eight hours in my car on over the weekend. And uh, there's a lot of time to listen to music and think about things. But when it comes to reading comics, though, I guess, do you, do you put on music at all while you're listening? Or, or is it just like if it's there, maybe, or or just not at all? Definitely not unless the this playlist is like specifically made for that comic by the creators. Otherwise, I prefer to focus on the reading. Gotcha. Yeah, I I like to do it if I'm do, if I'm gonna do like a long haul comic reading session, like if I'm gonna sit down and go through my backlog or something like that. Just because, like I said earlier, I have pretty bad ADD. But when I have music on, instead of it like splitting my attention too much the music just kind of like occupies part of my brain like a kitten with a ball of yarn so that the rest of my brain can then focus on the comic book that's happening that makes sense yeah the only exceptions for me are if i try to listen to something new i can't do it so it's usually like old standby albums that i really enjoy oh yeah i think i'm the same exact way as, as, as you in that regard it's that and it's uh, hip hop. I can't listen to hip hop while I read because I get way too caught up listening to what they're saying. Mm-hmm. Like I tried to read comics and listen to the new uh, Run the Jewels three album that just came out, mm-hmm. and that did not go well. I read the same six panels for twenty minutes. <laughs> right. You know what might be good for this? Like on Spotify, there's a really good uh, like Brian Eno Harold Bud station that makes really good background music. Okay. Could you inform me as to who those people are? (laughs) (laughs) I have no idea who those people are. They are musicians. Um, (laughs) All right, done. Let's go. (laughs) Cool. Thank you. Uh, Let's move on. Uh, I guess what kind of music is it if if you're being specific about it? It's like the kind of music that your brain would start manufacturing in your head if you were in a sensory deprivation chamber and were seeing colors. That sounds terrifying. <laughs> you know, That's, it's great. <laughs> and those are the two, two responses for that kind of thing. <laughs> or, or you also might hear this music during the... Um, montage in the Oscar bait movie where like the person is experiencing their own death but like from very far away and it's very moving oh oh okay Um, someone should just hire me to make movie soundtracks basically is what I think we should gather from this podcast okay I will you know when we when we put together the ultimate clip show of this show we'll also create personalized resumes for people. Yeah. Um, audio demo reels for people to say this <laughs> is my justification as to why I should be doing this job. Uh we're going to have to pay Xander overtime. Be Tia film scores, Brian, whatever man, I just want work. <laughs> Nick, tastemaker. No, you're going to write you're going to write the descriptions on the back of the trades. Remember? That's right. Yes. We just talked about this. Yeah, that was like forever ago. For me. <laughs> <laughs> Who are you people and what am I doing? But you guys, here? <laughs> you must have like certain songs where you're just like that this is the the anthem of this character or this is the anthem of this book. I I don't know. I I <laughs> listen I like if I if I if I hear a song, I don't I I don't ever relate them to comic book characters. I I mean like I think like when when I'm reading a book and something like 
happens where it's like damn the man and like ever you know rebelling against the system or something like that or you know breaking a rule usually just like the the clash or like the ramones comes on in my head that's it like it's always the same song it's always hey ho let's go like it's it's that over and over every single time um because to, for me, like when that that like that is the ultimate like punk rock anthem to me, and like when it comes to cinematic in a cinematic space, because I think too much in movies and not enough in comic books. But I don't, I don't think I ever, I've ever heard a song and went like, yeah, that is definitely someone from Saga. You know, I've I've never had that. I can I can guarantee you it's happened to me, but I couldn't tell you when. Mm. You're making you're making a, a montage that you're gonna put on YouTube to convince everyone that Laura is the best character. She's the best Wolverine, and everyone should read all of her books and love her. What music do you put for the background of this montage video that you're making? It's there not you music. Mark. That's your it's assignment. Not music. It's nope. just the sound of someone crying you for got three minutes now. straight. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know I I, f- I feel like I've list I've listened to music every once in a while like Nick has this habit of just sending me endless number of, an endless number of YouTube videos of of various songs and and EDM and stuff like that and so I'll put it on like while I'm reading comics at home but I don't it's always like in the background it's it's just like white noise in the background that just kind of f- forces me to focus in on what I'm reading. Um, but ultimately, yeah, I think it, a lot of the times, like music is dis- like distracting, and especially if it's you're reading a comic that has like music lyrics in it, and you're trying to listen to music at the same time, it's doubly distracting as you're trying to figure out whatever the melody may be because there's no way to ever indicate that in a comic book. And I know we did a whole episode about that, so I won't go into it much more than that. But I I think if I do listen to music, it's like Brian said, kind of like old mainstays, things that I know well enough to not get distracted by. Or it's instrumental stuff. Oh, stuff yeah. that isn't going to have words that can distract me by, in any way. I listen to the Vitamin String Quartet quite a lot when I read comic books. Oh, yeah. That's good stuff. <laughs> but like when you're listening to music later, do you, do you ever hear a song that make that brings you back into a moment that really stuck with you from your comics? I mean, off, I, maybe maybe it has happened, but I don't think that it's anything that I've I can remember. You know, I I I just read comics, absorb them, and then move on the next day. It's in one ear, out the other. I think most of the time. <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. See, no, no. I mean, I think that this really like gets into the nitty gritty of of like how people's brains work because my thinking is often very comparative and like. I uh, I'm going to sound like a D-bag for saying this but almost like curatorial. Like I I'm always sorting things into categories. I'm always like associating things and and you know compare and contrasting things and I think that I, that's not a part of my brain that turns off and on. It just is always on. So um I, I think that's why this hap- I like make these playlists and make these connections between these things that just um is how I think. It's like you're you're trying to create an experience out of these comics rather than just reading them. Like rather than just absorbing them, you're trying to say, "I've taken this in. I understood it. Now, if I needed to present it to others, it would be like this." Um, to try to maybe enhance the the various pieces that were important or at least important to you in the comic, right? Or kind maybe of, I'm yeah. just way I off mean, base, you- but. No, I mean, if you think about going back to the the film example, that's exactly how they tell you certain scenes are really emotional or really scary or really tense or happy. Like, you know, the music has so much to do with the tone and in comics you don't you don't necessarily have a soundtrack, I mean, unless you make one, I guess, and tell people mm-hmm. check it out and re- listen while you read, but like, you know, s- there's definitely moments that stick with me or characters that I really think about a lot. And yeah, I just start forming playlists for them. <laughs> I see. So would you say, I guess to, to add to the second piece of this question then, or to add the second piece of this question was do, when you do that, do you think it affects your feelings on the comic then? I don't think necessarily it does. I think that I have to be affected in order to, 
like act on that moment. Does that make sense in terms yeah. of like continuing to explore it with with music? Right. Yeah. That 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 makes total sense. I think if you went back and reread it with the playlist, do you think it would influence, or do you think it would just be like a like a further reflection on on the same thing? Yeah, I think that it would just like enhance what I had already been picking up on. I mean, but you never know. Like, there's always stuff that. Um, come that comes forward or gets pushed back when you start putting things together in different configurations and um, it's also been a really effective tool in getting people to like read some of my favorite titles like here check out this playlist and then it's like oh um you know this sounds like some something that's interesting okay i'll check it out that's a really interesting way to direct someone into a comic it's it's very non it's very indirect to say like if you like this playlist you'll like this comic and i in my head i cannot draw how that would be possible but i think that's that's interesting if you've been able to sell someone on a comic by saying here's a playlist of this book now go read the comic maybe i'll make some of my playlists public yeah and you can check that would be cool i'd I'd love to see (laughs) i'd love to like understand this more i think that's that's mostly what i'm getting at um, I know that we should you know, make one. We should we should like pick a character and make one. No, yeah, well, okay. Mike's, Mike's doing X twenty three. So <laughs> yeah, I've already I, got well, that's homework. What, what I was hinting at. Yeah. Okay. Make, ooh, we should make a Cyclops one. Oh, okay. Yep. God, I'm fine it's with that. Nickelback for <laughs> one hundred and eighty minutes. <laughs> yeah. No, it's just gonna be like the Cure for an hour and a half. <laughs> <laughs> Is Cyclops cool enough to like the Cure? I'm not sure. It's not, no, no, it's not about Cyclops liking the Cure, right? Because you're not no, trying to make a playlist that's that that true. person would like. It's a playlist that describes the character, and I think like pretty much anything sad from the 80s and 90s would definitely describe cyclops <laughs> like you'd start boys it with a beach boys cry, song cyclops. and then it would just yes. 21 what's new <laughs> pussy cats in a row <laughs> yeah. so what about you brian you want to make the playlist with us oh yeah no i'm in yeah, I we'll don't definitely... know if there's a Dr. Afra playlist. There's a Darth Vader playlist, but it's nothing but the Imperial March for like 15 songs. I feel like sure. we were being trolled with that one a little bit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's like constantly like in his tube that he sleeps in. That uh, that that back to tank he's in in Rogue One. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So imagine that Imperial March is but... blasting into the liquid. <laughs> I found a really cool like heavy metal guitar shredding version and then I had a friend add a bunch of like lightsaber noises to it for the piece that my kids are dancing to. Oh my gosh. That's fantastic. (laughs) Only you're not allowed to use prop weapons at competitions so they like just have to pretend that their legs are lightsabers. (laughs) And who hasn't? I mean... (laughs) Truly, truly, these these young women are on the cusp of becoming evil. Oh my goodness! Yeah. Mike, when you mentioned black metal R two D two earlier, this is where yeah. my mind went. Those two like black. Oh my metal god! Let's make R2-D2. a black metal R two D two playlist. That would be. We have to make a Murderbots playlist. That would be oh amazing. Okay. All right, we have a we have a lot of homework. We you know if we do at least a handful of these I will post them in the show notes for those of you who are interested <laughs> if only because this sounds like a very fun experiment. Uh but if I if but to round back a little bit to the topic uh there was this thing that Marvel did I think I've mentioned it on the show before there were these I don't remember what they were called I think they were called Infinity Comics or Infinite Comics but or not or something but the idea was you'd read this you read a comic on your phone or on your device or even on your computer and as you were reading it each panel or each page would have a different piece of music accompanying with it so when action happened the music would change so like it was marvel trying to add like that cinematic feel to their comics by just adding music to like a static thing Hmm. which i thought was an interesting experience but I, uh, I tried it once and I could not get over the looping. Like, because if you read a panel for too long or a page for too long, the music just c- continuously loops and it totally takes you out of the comic and it becomes like almost like a major distraction. So I, I feel like I've been turned, and this is like five or six years ago, and it totally like burned me on the idea of even wanting to listen to music along with to accompany my comic like not just music that i like but music that was intended to describe or emit emotive feeling 
in the comic, it kind of, I don't know, rubbed me the wrong way. So I don't know if anything like that would be interesting to you guys, but it's a thing that does exist out there somewhere in the ether. I feel like I would want a little more control over whether or not music starts playing when I'm reading comics. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So if it were me, make something like that, I would just occasionally put in like the Cantina song from Star Wars, just (laughs) on random panels. Yeah. See, I think with with the Star Wars comics, though, it could actually be really interesting if you could get John Williams, like, licensed music to add to the book, because that would just be awesome. That score is so good. I mean, all of them. I collectively, like, yeah. I, I, in my mind, like, all movies are just a, a movie. <laughs> yeah. Just one big... The, I'm waiting for the ultimate supercut of all the movies together, interspliced, without credits, and, and, and uh, scrolls, and just, like... You know, a little bit of like crossover for to like add some some foreshadowing into like this twenty act epic or whatever, because I know that some fan edits out there exist. Like for instance, there was one called "Turn to the Dark Side" and it was the prequels minus the first one, all about Obi Wan Kenobi's perspective of Anakin, basically growing into this this dark character. It was really cool. It starts with the the fight with Darth Maul on yeah. Naboo. Yeah, it's a really dope supercut. I mean, those fan edits out there are really fun. If yeah, no, we're, it, we're it gonna... turned the prequels into something watchable. Yeah, yeah. I really am For... starting to feel like I need to rewatch them just because I'm like forgetting details about them, but I also don't yeah. want to. <laughs> I'm the same way. Like before yeah. Rogue One came out, I started went back and like rewatched all my old Star Wars movies. I was like, should I rewatch the prequels too? I don't know. <laughs> Could I just read the Wikipedia entry instead? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Probably. Um, I hear there's a fan edit out there of the prequels, and it's like two hours long, and it's like pretty much just the stuff you need to remember. Yeah. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. But anyways, John Williams, fantastic music, and that's what made <laughs> those movies great, and that's what would make Star Wars comics great, so let's make a Star Wars playlist And as somehow well. <laughs> that never occurred to me, to put on like a Star Wars score while, list- while reading my Star Wars comic books. Yeah. I Honestly, me either, until just now. So this is, sounds like we all have a lot of homework to do for the next time we're on the show. <laughs> <laughs> Way to loop it back to the topic, Mike. Good job. Yeah. Just, you know, just doing my job. Just trying to moderate this thing or something. <laughs> Mike is moderating this podcast in the same way that a figurehead steers the ship. (laughs) (laughs) Topless? (laughs) 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 I think that's the end. I think we've had a verdict. We had a lot of homework. We um, we don't really like to... I'm I'm naked. (laughs) And uh, we don't have a lot of feelings about listening to music while reading comic books because it's mostly distracting. But... I would love to hear if anyone out there has any, you know, alternative views. If they do listen to music to help them focus or if it helps them enjoy a comic more or less. Because we all came to this kind of with, I think, the same ideas. Outside of Tia's whole interesting thing of creating playlists for characters, which I still am having a hard time wrapping my mind around. So I'm going to have to check out some of these Spotify playlists. But we will hopefully come up with something and post it in the show notes by the time this episode comes out on Wednesday. So we've got two days, folks. And listeners, send us your playlists. Yeah. Yes. I I will gladly share them on Twitter and post them on the site and all that stuff. It would be awesome. So, you know, end of episode. We rarely have like an actual end of episode, but that's, <laughs> that's pretty much it. Because otherwise, I'm just going to start talking more and more about Star Wars and how much I, I love po- Poe Dameron. Yeah. He's such a cheeky guy. Sigh. <laughs> He's like, like, I have a picture of Poe Dameron inside the locker on, in my mind. Aww. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, did you ever win a Poe Dameron certificate from when we did Harlequin Bingo last year? No, I didn't. Aww. I never won Harlequin Bingo. So, all right, let's just tell a little story because, you know what, we got a little bit of time on this episode left. So, at, at our office, there there was this, I guess, ongoing joke of all of these, I guess it's not a joke, but it was more just kind of the realization that there are these books out there, these Harlequin books is what they're called, and they are just ridiculous. They're all about, they're like romantic comics. It's and romance have, manga, basically, based yeah. on Harlequin, or Harlequin puts them out. And they they have the most ridiculous titles like Desert King Doctor Daddy was the one that 
like yeah. blows my mind. That's the one that I actually read. <laughs> and it's about this guy who is a sheik in some made up country in the Middle East. And he comes to Australia and he finds this woman who's like the chief medical person at this hospital. And he whisks her away because he needs someone to take care of his son or his, his newborn child because the mother of this child died. And meanwhile, there's like this, this guy's uncle or brother or something is like a terrorist and it's it's absurd this woman goes from i am i'm a strong independent person to oh i'll just do anything that this man says and that's apparently a um a novel but they took all the titles so the people at our office took all the titles of these various harlequin novels and you had to match them up on a bingo was it a, a well, bingo by board? People, I don't know. It Explain really it was just Tia who did this. <laughs> um, so I basically, yeah, I, I broke them into categories like down the um, vertical would be like billionaire or chic or prince or, you know, sure. those kind of descriptions. And then um, there would be like each of the spots would basically be some trope that occurs in the comics or mangas. And so uh, we would have a random number generator and we would read a title and then you would have to try to like get that square. And But they were a little bit subjective and open to interpretation. So if you called bingo, you kind of had to like justify why right. you put it, which made it so much more hilarious. Hence why I lost because I kept calling bingo over and over <laughs> for things and stretching really, really far. And I didn't win a Poe Dameron I'm sorry. Yeah, the, loves you picture. Oh yeah. So the, the prize was a certificate of Poe Dameron saying something uh i forget what like with the lip bite yeah yeah (laughs) something sexy and inspiring yeah yeah i'll take a picture of one of my bingo sheets because i still have it and (laughs) i'll put it in this show notes because it's (laughs) wonderful they were a thing of beauty even like everyone played and it was just like people really were people who dealt with these comics a lot um you know it were usually the winners because they were very good at justifying their choices and then people who were new to the genre were just like these cannot be real but they are <laughs> yeah, they were all real it's it's all real <laughs> yeah it's absurd it goes all the way to the top man yeah <laughs> Thanks for listening to the I Read Comic Books podcast. This episode was produced by me, Mike Rappin, with editing by Sandra Riggs. Special thanks this week to Brian Murray and Tia Vasilio. The music in this episode is brought to you by our favorite band in the universe, Infinity Shred. You can find Infinity Shred at infinityshred.com, as well as on Bandcamp at infinityshred.bandcamp.com. If you enjoy the show, tell someone about it. Rate us online. Write to us. Each person you tell about the show and each rating you gives us lends a little more exposure to this show and helps us grow. It's also a great way for us to get feedback about the program we create each week for you. Or if you're looking to say hi, you can email us at ircb at destroythesibe.org. And if you want to talk comics with us, find the I Read Comic Books group on Goodreads. We have a monthly book club that we feature here on the show, and we have regular threads about what comics we've been reading. You can ask us questions and comment on each episode at our subreddit, ireadcomicbooks.reddit.com. The entire podcast team is on Twitter, and you can follow the show at IRCB Podcast. But a great way to experience the podcast, including our back issue bin of episodes and our weekly pull list posting, is to visit us at our website, ircb.us. Until next time, from all of us here at the show, thank you for listening. I got my hopes up about Dr. Affer being in a video game. It's actually just the uh, the iOS game that they just put out. Um, well, so. there's there's still time. Yeah. I wanted I wanted to ask you. We didn't really get to talk about this, but like um, some people I know were really disappointed that sh- it turns out that she's not a real doctor. <laughs> what did you think of all of that? No. I mean, it didn't bother me.
Ah, I mean, she's basically a doctor. I mean, if she's basically a doctor, then so am I. I think that many would disagree with that. Yeah, I don't know. I guess I'd, I don't get too caught up in the weight of the title. Ooh, you know what would be awesome? Here's what I hope happens. I hope that after all this stuff, because if I'm once you read issue four and you see what happens, like I think maybe what would be cool is if she and her dad actually finish like a dissertation or like she or like make a discovery or publish something mm-hmm. so that she can get like finish her degree and and actually have the title for real wouldn't, wouldn't that be nice and then there'd be no living with her <laughs> <laughs> all right well i think that i officially live on hoth oh yeah because it has not stopped snowing it has not stopped at all it's just crazy windy here i don't know you've probably been able to hear my window rattling in the background yeah i was like someone has a poltergeist that's me i'm haunted oh my god us too we have lights that flicker on and off and i mean i guess it could be electrical but we collect a lot of like coffin plates and morning jewelry so probably it's a ghost that does seem likely <laughs> and it's it's the more interesting option and i always kind of <laughs> like to go for the more interesting option 